Hello, grandkids, all of you, and it's good to know that you're listening to this. I got some others listening too, so to all of my grandkids, and to Owen, and to Gideon, and to my great nieces and nephews, all of you. Owen, you have to be quiet. All right, so we're ready to read chapter 7. It's the last chapter in this book. Henry's Adventure. Well, I guess it wasn't your fault. Henry looked glumly at Ribsy, huddled in front of the electric heater in Mike's boathouse. It did seem as though his dog got him into a lot of trouble. Now, after all his bragging, he wouldn't get to take a salmon home to show people. As for Mr. Grumby, Henry did not like to think about the long ride home in the same car with him. He knew Mr. Grumby would be thinking about his lost salmon and blaming it on Ribsy. Henry looked out of the window at the scales hanging from the eaves inside. Because of Ribsy, he had lost his chance to hang a fish on that hook and watch the hand spin around to 25. What time is it? Henry asked the boathouse man. Five after two, answered Mike. Five minutes past two. It would be at least three hours before his father would be through fishing, and Henry had eaten all his lunch hours ago, with Ribsy's help, of course. He wished he had some money so he could go across to the restaurant and buy a hamburger. Henry amused himself looking at the pictures of fishermen with their catches that covered the walls of the boathouse. He examined a case full of tackle for sale. Then he looked through a telescope that stood by a window. He focused it on his father and Mr. Grumby, but he couldn't see any salmon in their boat. If Mr. Grumby should catch a whopper, the ride home would not be so bad. Henry turned the telescope on the other boats, and some of the other, in some of the other fishermen were pulling in salmon. If some of the other fishermen were pulling in salmon, maybe Mr. Grumby would land one too. When Henry came to the last boat in line, he looked, twisted the adjuster, and looked again. Was that Scooter McCarthy and his father? It looked like them, but the brims of their hats were turned down so far Henry could not be sure. Lots of men wore black raincoats, and almost every boy had a yellow slicker. So it might be somebody else. Henry hoped so. If he had to watch Scooter come in lugging a salmon, even a silver side, he didn't know what he would do. Smells kind of doggy in here, doesn't it? remarked Mike. My dog is almost dry, answered Henry, as he rubbed his foot through a puddle of water that had dripped off Ribsy. A man came in to buy some tackle. He sniffed and looked around. I thought it smelled like wet dog in here, he said when he saw Ribsy. Henry began to feel uncomfortable, almost unwelcome. Two women came in to look at their husbands through the telescope. They glanced at Ribsy and frowned. I don't think there's anything that smells quite so bad as a wet dog, said one of the women as she adjusted the telescope. Come on, Ribsy, let's go outdoors. Henry didn't think Ribsy smelled so bad, just a little extra doggy was all. But if they weren't wanted, well, they'd wait someplace else. Henry sighed and wondered what they would do the rest of the long afternoon. It wouldn't be so bad if only he was not so hungry. Outside, Henry looked over a row of parked cars. Third from the end, he found a green two-door Ford Deluxe model with nylon seat covers, a Yellowstone National Park sticker on the windshield, and a Mount Rainier National Park sticker on the rear window. There could be no doubt about it. That car surely belonged to Scooter's father.
Let's go down to the beach, Henry said to his dog. Then maybe we won't have to see old Scooter when he comes in with all those fish he'll probably catch. You'd think with the whole Pacific Ocean full of fish, he could have gone someplace else. The rain had stopped and the wind blew ragged clouds across the sky. Henry and his dog followed a sandy road that wound through piles of driftwoods, logs and stumps, boards and boxes, all bleached gray by the sea until they came to the hard, wet sand along the breakers. Henry looked at the people fishing from the sandbars, then wandered along the beach. He threw sticks into the breakers to see them carried up on the sand and then get sucked back into the ocean by the undertow. He picked up a few shells and examined a jellyfish lying on the sand, and all the time he was thinking about the salmon he wouldn't catch and wondering how he could face Mr. Grumby on the way home. Come on, Ribsy, race you, Henry called above the roar of the surf. Ribsy stopped trying to chase seagulls. Leaving a border of paw prints along the edge of the waves, he ran up the beach ahead of Henry. Henry began to enjoy himself. He made a game of seeing how close to the water he could run without letting the waves touch his shoes. Gradually the sun sank toward the ocean, and Henry knew it would not be long before his father and Mr. Grumby would be through fishing for the day. He decided it was time to start back to the boathouse. Here, Ribsy, he called. Ribsy paid atten no attention. He was barking furiously at something Henry could not see. What's the matter with him, Henry wondered. He's sure excited about something. Must be another jellyfish. Maybe I'd better go look at it. Ribsy was standing at the edge of a small stream. When Henry got there, he looked into the stream to see what was making the dog bark. Then he stopped in his tracks and stared. It wasn't true. It couldn't be, but there it was. In the shallow water at Henry's feet, an enormous Chinook salmon was trying to fight its way upstream. Wow, exclaimed Henry as he watched the salmon struggle to swim in water that barely covered its silver body. The fish was so close he could see the pattern of its scales and the needle-sharp teeth in its mouth. I bet he took a wrong turn, thought Henry. I bet he thinks this is the river. Oh, why did I leave my tackle in the boat? Why didn't I bring it with me? The weary salmon rested and the current of the stream carried it back toward the ocean. Then it started fighting its way upstream again. Again. I've got to get him, thought Henry. I've just got to, that's all. But how? He didn't even have a string and a bent pin. If he did, they wouldn't be any good for such a big fish. He looked around the beach for something he could use to catch the salmon. Once more, the Chinook was carried back toward the ocean. Come on, keep fighting, thought Henry. Don't give up. I've got to think of a way to get him before someone comes along and beats me to it. Without bothering to take off his shoes, Henry stepped into the stream and waded out to the salmon. I wonder what's the best way to do this, he thought, and bent over. Cautiously, he put his hands in the water and then with one quick movement tried to scoop the fish up onto the sand. The salmon, which was heavier than he expected, slid easily over his hands and struggled on, thrashing and fighting to get away from Henry. Henry made up his mind he was not going to lose that fish. He flung his rain hat and coat and jacket onto the sand. I'll tackle him. That's what I do, he thought. I'll do it, he thought grimly. I've got to look out for those teeth, but maybe I can grab him by the gills. While Ribsy continued to bark wildly, Henry took a deep breath and flung himself onto the salmon. The icy water splashed in his face and soaked through his clothes as he gritted his teeth and hugged the big slippery fish. With one powerful lunge, it twisted out of Henry's arms and tried to fight its way through water too shallow to swim in. Dripping with water and covered with fish scales, Henry got to his feet. 
If I could just get him onto the sand, he thought maybe I could sit on him. Once more he flung himself onto the fish, and once more the salmon fought free and landed in still shallower water. That's it, thought Henry. I'll keep pushing him upstream. The next time he threw himself down, he managed to get one hand into the salmon's gills, which were rough and gave him something to hang on to. Henry dug in with his knees and hung on. I think I've got him, he thought. This time the salmon didn't get away. I have got him. But now what I'll do? What'll I do? I thought Henry thought, I have got him. But now what'll I do? Thought Henry desperately. If I stand up and try to pick him up, he'll get away. The weary salmon struggled. Grimly, Henry held on. His hands were numb and the stream flowing around him felt freezing cold. What'll I do, he thought. I can't hang on much longer. Ribsy was running in circles, barking so hard he sounded hoarse. Henry could feel his grip on the fish's gills begin to slip. He's getting away, he thought miserably. I'll never be able to land him. Hang on. Someone yelled out of the corner of his eye. Henry could see a man standing on the edge of the stream. Then the man disappeared. Why did he go away, Henry wondered. Why didn't he help me? But in a moment, the man reappeared with a piece of driftwood in his hand. He waded into the stream and quickly clubbed the salmon. The fish gave one mighty flop and was still. Dripping and shivering, Henry struggled to his feet with his salmon in his arms. It was his he had caught a Chinook. Well, you caught yourself a mighty fine fish, said the man. Must weigh 25 pounds at least. Henry's teeth were chattering so he could hardly speak. Gee, thanks, he said as he waded out of the stream. Ribsy approached the salmon cautiously. He sniffed at it, then he backed away and barked. That's all right, answered the man. I heard your dog barking and saw your raincoat on the sand. I thought something was wrong, so I came over to see what had happened. The man hung Henry's jacket and raincoat over his shoulders. You better get dried out or you'll catch cold. Here, let me carry your salmon. Henry didn't want to let go of his fish, but it was heavy and slippery and he was shivering so he could hair, scarcely hang on to it. Yes, sir, said the man as he took the fish, 25 pounds at least. Henry managed to grin even though his lips were stiff with cold. I'm sure glad my dog barked. I couldn't have managed it if you hadn't come along to help me. Boy, oh boy, thought Henry as he plodded across the sand in his wet clothes. Wait till the kids at home see my fish. Wait till Scooter McCarthy sees it. As they neared the boathouse, Henry could hear the sound of motors and knew the fishermen were coming in from the river. I think I could carry the fish now, he said, wanting to be sure everyone knew the fish was his. The man smiled as if he understood what Henry was thinking and handed him the salmon. With water dripping off his clothes and squishing out of his shoes, Henry lugged his fish towards the scale. Several men who were waiting to weigh their catches turned to look at Henry. Mr. Huggins and Mr. Grumby were just climbing the steps from the river. They looked tired and their faces were red from the wind and the cold. They both needed a shave. To Henry's relief, Mr. Grumby was carrying a salmon. Dad, look, called Henry, trying to keep his fish from sliding out of his arms. Mr. Huggins stared. Then he whistled. Well, look at that, said Mr. Grumby. Caught it with his bare hands, explained the man who had helped Henry. Yes, sir, the boy waded right into that stream and tackled the fish with his bare hands. Never saw anything like it. And I didn't get a bite all day, said Mr. Huggins. Come on, let's see how much it weighs, suggested Mr. Grumby. 
Mr. Huggins helped Henry hang his fish on the scales. Henry held his breath until the hand spun around and stopped at 29 pounds. 29 pounds. Wow, said Henry in a hushed voice. Ribsy ran around the fish barking. All the fishermen began to talk at once. Wait a minute till I get the camera out of the car, said Mr. Huggins. I want a picture of this. Henry stood proudly beside his catch while the man who helped him told the story of how he had caught the salmon all over again to the men who had just returned from the river. Then Henry saw Mr. McCarthy and Scooter getting out of a boat at the foot of the steps. He noticed that Mr. McCarthy carried two silver-side salmon. Scooter carried a lunchbox. Henry tried to look casual as Scooter and his father climbed the steps. Hi, Scoot, he called as Mr. Huggins returned with the camera. Stand close to the fish, said Mr. Huggins. He did not need to tell Henry to smile. Henry grabbed Ribsy and made him stand at his feet. If Ribsy hadn't barked at the salmon, I wouldn't have seen it, he explained. Ribsy kept his eye on the salmon and growled deep in his throat. Did you catch that fish, demanded Scooter as the camera clicked. Sure, said Henry. With his bare hands, put in the man who helped Henry. Never saw anything like it. Just waded in and tackled it with his bare hands. How do you like that, muttered Scooter. A Chinook. Come on, Henry, said Mr. Huggins, as he lifted the salmon off the hook. You better get out of those wet clothes and wrap up into the auto robe. Okay, Dad. So long, Scooter. See you around, Henry called as he started toward the car. He felt sorry for Scooter standing there with his lunchbox in his hand. It must be tough to fish all day and not catch anything. Barking at the salmon, Ribsy trotted after Mr. Huggins. Good old Ribsy, said Henry. Then he began to sing at the top of his voice. Woofy's dog food is the best, contains more meat than all the rest. So buy your dog a can today and watch it chase his blues away. Woof, 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 woofies. That is all. So that is the end of this book. We'll have to see tomorrow. You will get to find out what book is next. I'm not even sure, but we'll look around and pick a good one. So good night or good day to all my grandkids and all the others who are listening. Have a wonderful day.